You're listening to Teaching from Midtown Fellowship, a Jesus-centered family on mission in Columbia, South Carolina. If you're interested in finding out more about us, our family of churches, or how to partner with us, go to midtowncolumbia.com. Good morning. I'm Brandon Clements, one of the pastors at our Lexington Church. If you're watching this on Sunday when this video is going out, you're probably aware that this is a bit of an unusual Sunday for us. And since all uh, three churches are uh, covering the same thing today, we figured it'd be simplest to record it once instead of recording three times. So if you're a part of downtown or Two Notch, uh, thank you for giving me the chance to speak on this. In response to the recent coronavirus outbreak, city officials and the mayor here in our city asked that public gatherings of more than 100 people be canceled this weekend. And after consulting with medical professionals as well, we came to the conclusion that uh, foregoing our typical Sunday gatherings this week would actually be the best and wisest way to love others in our community well. So this morning, if you call Midtown home, you hopefully find yourself sitting in a living room with your life group, uh, preparing to pray, worship, and study the scriptures together. We are recording this here at 7 a.m. on Sunday morning, and then uh, I'm leaving to go have pancakes with my life group. My kids are calling it house church, and I'm excited about it. I think it's worth noting, however, that as weird as this might feel to you today, this is actually an incredibly common experience by our brothers and sisters in Christ across the globe, not to mention throughout history. As American Christians, we are very used to our freedom of religion that allows us the opportunity to uh, worship freely and openly in our own space. We're used to coming into church buildings full of other believers out in the open week in and week out. But for many of our brothers and sisters around the globe, meeting in homes as the church is the norm. It's just what they do. Personally, I think it's incredibly cool that we get to join them this morning. And I don't want that to be lost on you. We say all the time that the church is not an event or a building you come to, but a people that you belong to. And today you get the privilege of experiencing that tangibly. Our church happens to be very well situated for something like this because we are so built around life groups that it allows us to be more flexible when a crisis hits. That's fairly unique. And I'm very grateful for the culture and structure we have built over the past 13 years. If you're new around our church or if this is one of the first life group gatherings you've come to, this is a part of why we love our church so much. But this morning, I want to keep things pretty simple. We're going to diverge from our Lent series. We'll likely pick that back up next week. But I simply want to take about 15 or 20 minutes this morning to pastor us, to help us look at the Bible and navigate our response as God's people to the situation we find ourselves in. We'll be in Psalm 46 this morning if you want to go ahead and turn there in your Bibles. And like many of you, we have been following the news closely as it relates to the spread of the coronavirus. It's not every day or every lifetime, for that matter, that a global pandemic reaches the point that this one has. And the level of concern here in our country has obviously increased dramatically over the past few days. As pastors, our chief concern is how do we, as followers of Jesus, react and respond in times like these? 
And there are a lot of different reactions out there. I think it's helpful uh, to think about those reactions on a continuum I saw this week. I thought it was really helpful. So on one end of the continuum would be what we would call arrogance. And on the other end of the continuum would be anxiety. So on the arrogant end, those are the reactions that are potentially downplaying the severity of this. They are frustrated about the restrictions it brings on your freedom of movement. Maybe you're concerned about trying to find cheap travel deals or find a less absurd way to make money than that guy who bought 17,000 things of hand sanitizer and caused me to not be able to find any. The arrogant side is going to be frustrated at the changes that are happening, the closings, thinking that responses are being overblown to some degree. But on the other side of that continuum are the extremely anxious. And that side is a bit more self-explanatory. For people that tend to be more anxious in nature, a quick-spreading global pandemic reaching your community is quite a test. More here in a minute, but just to give a quick summary, both of these responses in and of themselves are not thoroughly Christian responses. What I mean by that is they are both motivated ultimately by self-regard. Both arrogance and anxiety are motivated by self-protection, by be that protection of safety on the anxiety side or protection of freedom on the arrogant side. If you read the letter we posted on our website uh, this weekend, you'll remember that we said, as Christians, our motivation should be neighbor love, not self-protection. So we take a lot of the same steps others are taking, but with a Christ-honoring, others-centered motive. So to start, just a word to the crowd who may be more on the arrogant side. I get it. I, I tend to have an anxious spirit in general, but with stuff like this, I generally start a bit more on that side. I can be a bit more contrary and okay with risk. I don't want to not be able to go places. I don't want schools to close or for our lives to be more significantly impeded than they already are. The point is, however, that Jesus says that life is not about me. And if life is not about me, then a global pandemic is certainly not about me. Jesus calls me to be motivated by love of God and others, and that means getting off the continuum of self-regard completely. And the goal is not for me to be more anxious, but to get me off the spectrum totally and turn me into a person of peace and love through Christ. So I wash my hands out of love. I follow the warnings of people far wiser than me out of love and concern for my neighbors. All throughout scripture, God expresses his heart for the vulnerable. And this disease targets the vulnerable. So I'm called to act wisely and take appropriate precautions out of love for my vulnerable neighbors. And there will likely be lots of questions on how exactly we do that as we move forward. But that's the heart and motivation to love those around me. But as the days and hours have dragged on this week, I've seen more of a shift in general to the anxious side. And I've certainly noticed that to some degree in myself. 
I'm 34 years old, and I don't remember a time ever when every major sport was shut down. I didn't even exactly know that the NBA could be canceled. I didn't know that was a thing. I've never seen a march with no March Madness. The Masters had not been canceled since World War II until now. Entire states are shutting down their school systems. Countries are going on complete lockdowns. Cases are popping up closer and closer every single day, the latest of which I've heard is actually about a quarter of a mile from my house in Lexington. I could easily walk through the woods behind my house to that nursing home. So like I said, if there's ever been a time well-suited for widespread panic and anxiety, this fits the bill. But as we wrote earlier this week, Paul says we do not grieve as those who have no hope as Christians as he's writing the letter of 1 Thessalonians. And that means we do not pandemic as those who have no hope either. We do not have to give in to the unsettling fear that may only grow in the coming days because again, Jesus aims to get us off of the spectrum of self-regard entirely and grow us into people of peace and love. Consider Psalm 46. It starts out by saying, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. Therefore we will not fear though the earth gives way, though the mountains be moved into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, though the mountains tremble at its swelling. There's only one thing that can cause you to not fear, even if the earth gives way, and that is the sovereign, mighty hand of our God, who is a very present help in time of trouble. And that is a good news because a time of trouble this most certainly is, regardless of the direction it goes from here. And as Christians, we know something the rest of the world doesn't know. We have a hope that they don't have. We have a refuge and a strength that they don't have, an eternal hope they don't have. So even though an unknown virus spreads and store shelves are bare and the economy tumbles and every hour seems to bring a new level of alarm, we have supernatural help. We have a refuge, a bedrock of certainty. There's a, a long quote from C.S. Lewis where he answered some British people who were growing very worried about the threat of an atomic bomb, which was new technology at the time, and made them very fearful. This is what he said in response to them, and I think it's beautiful. He said, in one way, we think a great deal too much of the atomic bomb. How are we to live in an, in an atomic age? I am tempted to reply, why, as you would have lived in the 16th century when the plague visited London almost every year, or as you would have lived in a Viking age when the raiders from Scandinavia might land and cut your throat any night, or indeed, as you were already living in an age of cancer, an age of syphilis, an age of paralysis, an age of air raids, an age of railway accidents, an age of motor accidents. 
In other words, he goes on to say, do not let us begin by exaggerating the novelty of our situation. Believe me, dear sir or madam, you and all whom you love were already sentenced to death before the atomic bomb was invented. And quite a high percentage of us were going to die in unpleasant ways. We had indeed one very great advantage over our ancestors, anesthetics, but we have that still. It is perfectly ridiculous, he says, to go about whimpering and drawing long faces because the scientists have added one more chance of painful and premature death to a world which already bristled with such chances and in which death itself was not a chance at all, but a certainty. He finishes with this. This is the first point to be made, and the first action to be taken is to pull ourselves together. If we are all going to be destroyed by an atomic bomb, let that bomb, when it comes, find us doing sensible and human things. Praying, working, teaching, reading, listening to music, bathing the children, playing tennis, chatting to our friends over a pint and a game of darts, not huddled together like frightened sheep and thinking about bombs. Last line. They may break our bodies. A microbe can do that. But they need not dominate our minds. So a microbe can indeed do that. A virus can break our bodies, but it need not dominate our minds. With God as our refuge and strength and peace, instead love of neighbor can dominate our minds. So we'll pick back up and Psalm 46, verse 6, for some final instruction today for anxious times. The nations rage, the kingdoms totter. He utters his voice, the earth melts. The Lord of hosts is with us, the God of Jacob is our fortress. Come, behold the works of the Lord, how he has brought desolations on the earth. He makes wars cease to the end of the earth. He breaks the bow and shatters the spear. He burns the chariots with fire. And here's the classic line you've probably heard before, but many of you need to hear again today. Verse 10. Be still and know that I am God. I will be exalted among the nations. I will be exalted in the earth. The Lord of hosts is with us. The God of Jacob is our fortress. For the always anxious and the increasingly anxious, this is our call. Quiet the news. Put down your phone for a minute, and be still. Be still and know that he 
is God. Know that as startling as its advance may be, a virus is not and could never be outside of his sovereign hand. He reigns over galaxies and the smallest germs and cells. He is not surprised by anything. He remains in control when waters roar and mountains tremble. And that will remain true even if things get far worse than we hope or expect. Whether things take a positive turn from here or a drastic negative turn, God never panics. And he is not panicking now. Our call is to be still, remember, know, and remind ourselves that he is God and he can be trusted because he sent his son Jesus to put nails in his hands so we would not be cursed anymore. So we would not be separated from him forever. And as a Christian, the worst thing that could ever be done to me becomes a pathway to my greatest blessing because it ushers me into the eternal bliss of God. So I can trust him no matter what comes. So as we go into the unknowns of the coming weeks, if you default more to the arrogant, dismissive side, ask God to rescue you from your own self-concern. Ask him to take you off of that spectrum and turn you into a person who is motivated by love for others. Take appropriate precautions out of love for the vulnerable that you may affect in ways you don't realize and will never know. And consider experts more informed than you are. Look for people you can encourage, not with your confidence, but with God's truth. Pray for those who are sick and those who are scared. And for those who lean more on the anxious side or those who may be there this time next week, depending on how this thing progresses, the call for you is the same. Ask God to rescue you from your own self-concern. Ask the Holy Spirit to teach you how to operate in Godward trust during this time and concern yourself with others. Still take appropriate measures, but do so with the motive of neighbor love and not just personal safety. And ask God what steps you might take to love and serve those who may be more isolated or more lonely or more vulnerable than you or your family are. In the letter we sent out, we said that in these circumstances, hand washing is really a form of foot washing. So we avoid getting sick because we don't want our neighbors to get sick. But as Christians and learning from the example of the early church and how they responded to plagues, we also have a category for more direct acts of service that may include risk to us. We don't know what is going to happen 
but we may be called to wash some feet, even in the midst of a plague. We may be called to share food or resources or take on risk to some degree in caring for sick family members, neighbors, or friends. We may have to rise up to find ways to meet financial needs that come if people are out of work. But what we certainly can and must do right now is to pray. So that is what we will close our time doing together. We will end our time this morning with a guided prayer time. And I'll throw out a few prompts for you to pray about together in your groups. And uh, you can simply hit the pause button briefly after each prompt and uh, pray for that thing as a group. And then hit play again when you're finished with that one and move on to the next one. And at the end, I'll, I'll wrap us up in prayer. So go ahead and get, get ready to, to pray in your groups. Uh, leaders, get ready to, to hit the pause button. The first thing we are going to pray for this morning is for those who are already infected with the coronavirus, for their safety, uh, their healing, and their peace. So let's go ahead and pray for those who are infected. All right, let's go ahead and pray for those who are at risk, uh, those who are uh, elderly or who have chronic illnesses. Pray for those who are in the medical field and other jobs that put them in risky situations. Let's pray for those whose income is or may be affected in the coming days. And lastly, let's pray for wisdom for each of us to not give in to anxiety or arrogance, but to instead be marked by love as people of Jesus. All right, if you would, please join me in prayer as we close. Uh, Father, thank you uh, that you uh, are the sovereign God of the universe, that you are not surprised by anything, even a pandemic. Thank you that uh, you, you hold us in your uh, mighty eternal hands, that you are our refuge and strength even in times of great trouble like this one. These are unknown days to us, un unknown scary times. I pray that you would draw us near to you, that we would find comfort uh, and safety and strength in you. I pray that we would uh, trust you. I pray that you would rescue us from our own self-concern, be that in, in arrogance or in anxiety, that, that you would draw us out of that completely and turn us into people of love. Pray that you would ground us in the coming days, that you would give us wisdom and discernment in how to uh, move about these times. And I pray that in all of this, you would, you would draw us nearer to you. Uh, help us to, to know you better. 
uh, to trust you more fully. I was to see, see your glory um, and, and be the people of God uh, during incredibly anxious times. And thank you that we get to be this through Jesus alone. We love you. Amen.